The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Resiliency and Running Podcast. My name is Liz, and I will be your host. Today's episode is a favorite. I think it was a very well-received episode last year, but I love doing these sorts of episodes as well as listening to them. So we're going to be talking about 21 things that I learned in 2021. So sit back and relax, and we will just jump right into the episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am very excited to be doing this episode because it was so fun to create last year, and I think it was a very well-received episode, um, one of the top listened-to episodes really for me, and I always really like creating these sorts of episodes because it really helps me reflect and just really look back on the past year because this year has truly been such a massive year of growth and growth in ways that I never thought that I would experience. And I think that that is something that definitely happens when you're in your 20s, when you're learning to adult. A lot of change is unwanted change and unexpected change, but I am here to share 21 things that I learned. But before we get into that, I just want to share my highs and lows for the week. If you listen to the last episode, you'll know that these are all pre-recorded because I will be with my partner and his family for the holidays, so I will not be recording any podcasts, but A high of this week that I did not mention in my other pre-recorded episodes was definitely that my boyfriend Jack and I were walking back from the tube station after our half marathon on Sunday of this past weekend and there was a house that we were passing near his street and they just had this full-on Nespresso machine and it had a little sign on it and it said for free and like it had some extra pods but for the most part it was like fully functioning and they kind of it seemed like they just wanted to get rid of it and they said that the milk frother didn't work so well but that it was definitely fixable so we both looked at it and we're like Yeah. And so we picked it up, took it back, and I took it home because Jack's already got an espresso machine of his own. And I wiped it down, cleaned it, took out the parts and made sure everything was very clean, tried it out, and it works. And I feel like it's just like one of those really little things in life that like you just like, it's like total luck that you find a full-on espresso machine. And I've been so on the fence about espresso machines because I'm someone who you know, loves coffee and is really into coffee. I was a barista for four years during my undergrad. And so to me, I always saw Nespresso pods as like, oh, well, that's not like real coffee that you tamper and you like, you know, put into your coffee machine and grind the beans and all that sort of stuff. But I will say that after my first two coffees with this machine, I am very impressed and I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, Low for the week definitely is going to be This is a tough one because it's been, I think, a pretty decent week, but I think kind of just going back to what I said in the last episode around the new variant and COVID restrictions and just things feeling uncertain again and that feeling of uncertainty and a bit of like, not panic, but just 
fear, I guess. And I think it's just important to obviously say that, you know, this is a very serious situation to take seriously. And Jack and I are taking a lot of precautions. And I think it's just a bit stressful. And I can't imagine how stressful it would have been if I were going home to the States and how stressful booking tickets, booking tests and flying and traveling would be. But I think that at the moment, we're just trying to make sure that we are shielding and staying as safe as possible so that we can make it to his parents for Christmas and just have everyone be healthy and together. But there's definitely a bit of stress to that. But there's also just like the downside of not really being able to do all of the Christmas festivities that you had planned. And I feel like I had a moment yesterday with him where, and I'm really grateful that I'm able to like share these moments with him. And he's very like open to it and welcoming of the communication and like wants to have those conversations. But just being realistic about, you know, we had plans for like Christmas things to do in London this Friday, literally tomorrow when I'm recording this. And we basically had to cancel everything because the cases are just rising so rapidly at the moment. I'm recording this on the 16th of December. And so at the moment, no restrictions have really been in place other than working from home and masks in the tube and stores. But yeah, we're just practicing safety as much as possible and just hoping for as merry of a holiday season as possible. All right, now just jumping into the episode because I've got a long list of things to go through and I obviously have my two cents to sort of say quickly on each point. So we're just really going to jump into it and start with number one, which is kind of touching on the point that I made at the beginning of the episode that things happen when you least expect it, both positive and negative. And so two points that I want to make on this sort of from both angles of positive and negative. Positives Obviously, I think I've spoken a bit about just like my relationship with Jack and how, but I've spoken quite a lot about my history of dating and how I got into running because of heartbreak. And having been single for six years before Jack, I think it just made it seem very worth it just in the sense that like he really is like everything that I could imagine and more and like really ticks all the boxes and it happened when I least expected it and I know that everyone says this and I know that it's such a cliche that you think is like oh you know everyone just says that it happens when you least expect it but when I reflect on like the time like the exact time at which I met Jack it was total chance it was at a work party and so we work in the same company but we like me going into that company, I never knew was going to happen had I not gone through what I had gone through with my prior work. And I've done a bit of an episode on that with Kelly from the Girl Recovering podcast. And if you go a few episodes back into the earlier bits of the year, it was just about workplace safety and psychological safety in the workplace. And that's kind of all that I'll say on that. But I think coming into the year, it was like, I thought that I was going to be with this company. And then I had a very devastating and traumatic experience that, which luckily led me to this company, which has led me to a lot of really positive opportunities. But one of them being meeting my now boyfriend, Jack. And I think personally, I had done quite a lot of work just between the 
dramas that happened at my last workplace. And I say drama, but it was a lot of PTSD that I still work on with a therapist and just a lot of really, really tough stuff that I'm not sure that I'll ever really open up about publicly on a podcast, but we'll see. But I think personally, I really made it a thing to work on myself from 2020. And so it has been kind of almost two years in the making of really choosing myself and not letting others kind of step all over me. And it was something that I used to kind of do in the past is prioritize others quite a lot and put other people on pedestals. And a lot of that had to do with my drinking as well. And so if you remember my episodes in 2020, I spoke about how I went sober for six months and just cold turkey did not drink. And I experienced so much growth, so much like mental clarity because I feel like alcohol definitely has something to do with brain fogginess and lethargy. And I just felt so creative. I felt so motivated in those six months. And I think that a lot of the growth too as well has been realizing that your own company is you know, the best. And I think that you have to be okay with that. And I think that there was a lot of uncomfortableness in me getting to that place. But once I got there, and once I truly just said, you know, I'm I'm deleting the dating apps. I'm not going to go through this BS again. And just really taking the time to focus on myself. And I deleted the dating apps before I started training for the London Marathon. I stopped drinking when I started training for the London Marathon. And I was just so focused on bettering myself and focused on myself that like it was just such perfect timing when I met him. And even when I did meet him, there was a lot of fear in that. But I think that it just kind of built over time. And I think that like with meeting the right person, they will actually show you that they care and they'll show you you know, that they love you and that they cherish you and they will be there for you whenever you have any uncertainty and clear any uncertainty. And so I guess this is a very long-winded answer or I guess little speech for point number one, but lots of things that have happened this year I never thought would happen and they've been both negative and positive, but I think that in hindsight, I'm grateful for all of it because it's just so much growth that I never thought that I would experience by 25, but I'm so glad that I did. Point number two is bad days are inevitable and they will happen. So this is something that I still struggle to kind of learn and kind of cope with because I think that I'm someone who really likes to be productive and I like to just be very go, go, go. And I really do struggle with slowing down sometimes and I struggle with a lack of a schedule and really open days. And I also just struggle with, you know, having a really full on day, but waking up and just being in sort of a bad mood or having something remind me or trigger me of something from my past. And what I've learned is just how important it is to take care of yourself on those days. And I think it's okay, especially in the workplace now that everyone's kind of working from home to Just some days when you're having a really bad day, just let your team know and just say, you know, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm not myself. And I think that in those situations, it's okay not to put yourself in situations that may trigger more anxiety or make your day worse or make the situation worse. And I think the right workplace, the right boss, the right team will understand that. And I think just being able to 
take time for yourself and it doesn't have to be a full on day for some people it is but if there's like something that really helps you calm down and for some people that anti-anxiety medication or antidepressants but just making sure that you're taking proper care of yourself and if that's going out for a coffee if that's going for a walk do that thing and just you know be with yourself and put on a podcast, call a friend and like you don't have to feel like you have to rely on people because kind of going back to point one, I always for so long felt like I had to rely on people for my own happiness and I think the pandemic really just made me realize how much I did rely on people and so I think that in some of these bad days, I've really learned how what it feels like to rely on myself. And I think that in that, I've just learned so much more about myself and felt like I've grown so much more. And so just know that bad days will happen, but to take them one day at a time. And point number three kind of follows this. Mental health days are so important. And if that looks like taking a day and just not doing much or taking a break from the gym, taking a break from your training schedule, that is totally okay. And I think that I learned that a lot, especially in just like being sick this year and catching COVID and not being able to work out or like push myself. I spoke about it in an episode, I think, but I was just a month out from the marathon, from the London marathon, and I was so worried that it was going to ruin my training. But in that week that I just did not go outside, I did not run, I felt like my body really got time to recover. And mentally, I kind of got time to recover as well, just because I felt so like intensely focused on training and work and trying to juggle all these different things at the same time. But taking days for yourself where you're kind of just unplugged and you're not really plugged into the world and you're just spending time with yourself doing whatever kind of helps you, I think are so important. Point number four is seasonal depression will shockingly still come every winter, but there are ways to combat it. So I feel like every year I always get shocked at how early it starts to get dark again even though it happens every year and I've lived in Seattle I've lived I'm I'm living in London now and I feel like every year it still comes as a shock that I that it gets dark so soon and then the seasonal depression hits and I think I always kind of just am not looking forward to it and so I kind of just don't really do anything to prepare for it and then it comes and it hits and it's hard but this year I've really learned a lot about like light therapy and how to go for walks and how to do different things that really help you and suit you and not just what everyone else is doing but kind of finding the niche that really actually helps you and yeah speaking to a therapist talking in talking therapy is so helpful for me and something that I've kind of gotten back on the bandwagon of this year I've kind of throughout my life been like in and out of therapy, so it's been really nice to kind of have that in my life again, and it's been really helpful in just a lot of the things that I've combated this year, but seasonal depression especially. Point number five, it's okay to try again. There are good people out there. So some of these points are all obviously going to be around sort of the romantic side of things because it's just not been an element of my life for so long. And it's been such a, it's always been a very negative thing where I kind of look at it and I think, uh, I just, love is never going to work for me and I'm never going to be in a relationship because no one wants to commit. And just dealing with lots of non-committal, you know, unavailable people all my life, it feels like. But 
it feels like something that I am really happy that I challenged myself to do because as I said earlier, when I first met Jack, I was very fearful and I let my fear sort of talk over me and like make decisions for me. For those that don't know, I friend zoned him twice (laughs) and he might hate me for sharing this on the podcast, but I did friend zone him twice because I was just so scared and I was so afraid and everything in my gut and heart were just like, you don't want to get hurt again. And no matter who he is, or no matter what he is, he's a guy and he's going to hurt you. And I think it just, but there was still something in my, in my head and in my heart that was kind of saying that, you know, I should still give this a chance. And I, I still remember the first time that I did friend zone him and walking away and really feeling like such a gut wrenching feeling, like just knowing in my head that I've just let go of something that was, that could have been really, really good. And it was a feeling that I hadn't felt before. And I was just like in tears walking over Waterloo Bridge. Um, But luckily he came and sort of walked me home. Um, It's a funny story that maybe I'll share another time. But it's okay to kind of let yourself try again and trust again. And it's really, really hard. But again, the right people, the right guy will be right there with you in the trenches to sort of like, you know, want to understand why you have such a hard time trusting and want to be there with you to help build that trust and help build it together over time. Point number six, someone who truly cares about you will show up for you constantly and consistently. And this goes for relationships, friendships. I think for me personally, the pandemic truly showed me like who my true friends were. And that was such like a rude awakening last year. But I've just learned so much more this year that it is so much better to surround yourself with people that actually care about you. I remember there was a point where I went and did some sort of like a fundraising dinner with old friends that I think I was just telling myself in my head that these were still people that I wanted to cling on to that I had to have in my life. And after I heard that they had said something bad about me or said something or brought something up from my past while I was in the bathroom, that was just kind of like the turning point for me where I was kind of just like, right, okay, we're sort of done with that. And it was, it's a heartbreaking thing to sort of feel like you're breaking up with friends. But I think at the end of the day, when you think about what you want to achieve long-term and what you want to do long-term, it's so important to prioritize yourself and that was something that I truly learned in la- in the past year as well, is just being able to sort of put yourself first for the first time in a long time and really look to the future and think about what's best for you. Point number seven is that nothing is impossible unless you tell yourself. And obviously take this with a grain of salt because some things are impossible and you can't just like snap your fingers and be rich or own a house or, you know, just like things like that. But I think when you're thinking of things like, say, running a marathon, and I think that I get a lot of, or I do get a lot of questions around, you know, how do I start running? How do I start training? What training plans do you follow? And all these questions. And I think that a lot of people look at marathons and think that they're this impossible thing to do. And I think that it's impossible for you if you tell yourself in your head that this thing that you actually really want to do, that you actually really want to achieve is impossible because you are your biggest critic. And by saying that to yourself, you just get in your own way. And negative self-talk is never 
good for any situation really. I talk about negative self-talk a lot in relation to running and while you're on runs and how to talk to yourself positively, but I think it's also important to address how you talk to yourself when you're not running and you're not doing that thing because it truly does affect how you see yourself and see what you're capable of achieving. And if you're talking to yourself negatively, then yeah, you're never going to achieve that thing. And yeah, it's going to seem impossible because you never gave yourself the chance to go for it. So I say go for it and make more realistic goals. And it doesn't have to be like, you know, the marathon can be the eventual goal. But for example, you can start with a goal of a 5k and then build up to a 10k and then a half marathon. And slowly over time, you will build your endurance, but you will also build your confidence in yourself to be able to go and achieve that long-term goal. Point number eight, you learn to grow up quicker than you think in your 20s. And I'm only 25, so I'm saying this in my mid-20s. And there will probably be lots more to come in my late 20s because I hope to continue this podcast and for the longest amount of time until I have to stop for some reason. But I, as I say, I've, I feel like I've grown so much in this past year and I've done so many things that I never thought I would do. I've had to work with a lawyer in a situation and I never thought I would have to pay for a lawyer or get a lawyer for any situation. And I've... I've been in situations where I was genuinely so afraid and uncertain of the future. There was a point in the first few months of the year that I had been back in the UK for, I can't even count, like barely a few months, really. And I genuinely was not sure that I'd be able to stay. And it was a very scary feeling because it felt like something that I had worked to for a long time, like a year in the making. And it felt like something that I'd worked so hard for that I had had, that I had hold of for like what felt like a month or two. Felt like it was suddenly being pried from my hands. And it's like situations like that where you learn so much because it's such a period of uncertainty. But, you know, when you, when you're in those sort of situations, it's so helpful to look to your peers and your colleagues, especially those who are older than you and have already had that experience and being able to, being able to sort of look to those older peers and colleagues and ask them for advice and help. And I remember in that situation, just making a day of it and just reaching out to everyone that I knew, everyone that I trusted and getting so much help and so much support with things that I never, like options that I never would have thought of. And Yeah, I think it's just important to note that like a lot of the growth that you do in your 20s is probably not what you thought you were going to go through when you turn 20. Point number nine, uncomfortable growth makes for resilient change. And this kind of obviously follows with the last point and a lot of the points that I'm making, but a lot of growth is uncomfortable and we can't always choose how we grow. And I think it's just all about kind of trusting the process and whether you're religious or not, praying about it and trusting in like in God if you are Christian like myself and or just, you know, sort of journaling and just writing and just saying, you know, I'm trusting the universe, I'm trusting whatever higher power and just like trying to make the best of the situation because in the end for me, every moment of uncomfortable growth or uncomfortable change that I've experienced throughout my life has helped me in shaping the woman that I am today. And if I, when I share about some of those stories around uncomfortable growth, a lot of people, I think, look at those situations and think, oh God, like that's such a terrible situation and I'm so sorry. But I think 
like kind of being out of it now and looking back, I'm I'm sort of grateful for a lot of it because it's really helped me develop into the woman that I am now. And I remember my dad saying to me earlier this year when I was amidst this terrible situation, you know, in a few months, you're going to be out of this and you are going to be okay. And this will be, this will be a blip in the past that you look back at and it will mean nothing. But I think it's really important to look back on moments like this to say, well, while it's not, you know, something that is in my life anymore that I'm grateful for, I am grateful for the experience because I now know how to deal with those sorts of situations going forward should that ever happen to me, my family, my friends. Now I can be that peer or colleague to other people to sort of help them in those moments. Point number 10, what is meant for you will be for you and whatever isn't, let it go. And this is something that I think that I like, I think I thought that I let it go at the end of 2020. And I think that I truly thought that like, I just let it all go. And I was like, yep, I'm done. I let this go. I let this thing go that I've been holding on to for so long. But it's only really been now that I can truly and honestly say that I have let that thing go. And everyone has that thing that you sort of struggle to let go of or you struggle to sort of deal with or, you know, it pops up every now and then. And it's hard to let some of these things go. But I think that as you grow and change and as you experience, you know, unwanted, uncomfortable change, I think that it helps you sort of, it helps sort of show what is truly important in life. And your priorities change every year you know, and as you get older, you know, you will grow in ways that you never thought and things that used to matter to you so much won't matter. And it's so important to sort of just really think of yourself again. And again, just continue to prioritize you and what's best for you and really just sort of surrounding yourself with the people that care about you most. Number 11, coffee dates are essential, whether you're having a bad day or not single or in a relationship. And I went for a coffee date with myself the other day and it was just so nice. And I know that it's such a cheesy thing, but people talk about like romanticizing the small things in life. And I think especially being in where we are now in the world where there's still, you know, new variants that come up and we're still in pandemic and people are still wearing masks. And I think that a lot of people thought that by this point, we'd be out of it and everything would be solved. But I just think that it's important that while we're still in these situations, in this situation in particular, that it's important to take moments of your day and really either express gratitude for them, romanticize them. And that was something that I did my last coffee date that I took myself for. And it was when I was having a bad day, but I think that you can also do that on days where you're just on a walk and you're in a good mood. You are just taking yourself out to get some steps in. And yeah, I think it's just important to spend that time with yourself. And it's It's just always going to be something that sits in my mind that no matter what and no matter where you are in life, you'll always wake up with yourself and go to bed with yourself. So you want to, you know, respect yourself and spend time with yourself and show love to yourself. (laughs) However, and whatever that means to you, I just say to prioritize that more. Number 12, make time for friends and family. And no matter what this looks like for you, if you have a relationship with your friends and family, if you don't, 
you know, it's going to be different for everyone. But for like me, I'm in a different country to my family. And so FaceTime is super important to me, but it gets hard when you start to juggle it with other things. So I think it's just important to remember to prioritize that. And if you're into writing cards and letters, that's something that I've gotten into this year that just feels like that special thing that like, even though maybe I don't have time to FaceTime them every other day, like I used to, I'm, you know, taking the time to write cards on a Sunday and then mailing them out. And, you know, there's different ways to show that you care and just making sure that you are still incorporating time to make sure that those that you love most know that you do care. Number 13, not everyone will love you. Not everyone will like you. And I think that that's something that's really hard to learn being a young person in like the workforce and coming into the workforce. I feel like this has been my first year truly doing like a full year of work because I was in school for so long and then I was kind of in and out of jobs and only at jobs for a few months at a time. And then the pandemic hit and I didn't have a job. And so it's just been such a lesson learning in like, a new big company that not everyone will like you no matter how hard you try and some people will truly be out to get you but at the end of the day it's always going to be because they've got something that they're not working on or they're jealous of you in some way no matter how how old they are either it's it's shocking but people like much older than you will go out of their way to belittle you or make snide comments but at the end of the day what i've learned is that that is because they've got some sort of insecurity within themselves or there's something that you do, an element of you that they're really jealous of, that they wish they could, you know, be as good as you in, you know, something that you do day to day, or just how you think or how you work. And so I think it's just important to remember that not everyone's going to love you, but, and, you know, that's okay. <laughs> Number 14, it's okay to not always feel inspired at work. And I think a lot of us were brought up with this idea that, you're meant to go into a job that, you know, if you are able to find a job that you wake up and you love every day and you get to work at it every day, that like that is the goal in life. And I think that that's just such an unrealistic expectation or goal because I feel like even people who are say like content creators probably have days where they feel really stressed with work or really, you know, don't love work because I don't know, I, I feel like to me, I see content creators and I think, you know, they can make their own schedules and they can do what they want and sort of plan accordingly to their own lives. But I think that even with those sorts of jobs, you're not going to be happy 100% of the time and you're still going to have to do things that you don't necessarily love, but you do it for the job. And so I think it's just important to note and to share that I've learned that it's okay not to feel inspired every day at work, but just as long as you do on some other days and as long as you do actually enjoy your job, I think that that's also important because so many people remain in jobs that they don't love and it really has a drain on their mental health and it's something that I was in a similar situation to at the beginning of this year. So if you're in that situation, I would also just challenge you to sort of think realistically about what this job truly does for you and if it's realistically, you know, worth it to stay in. Number 15, challenge yourself to dream bigger. I think that in a world like we live in at the moment, it's very hard to feel like you can dream big. And I was always someone who really loved to travel. And I spent a lot of time traveling in 2019, 2018 to 2019. And I 
yeah, I guess it's just, it's hard because it, I feel like for, with the pandemic, a lot of people have felt like they can't dream as big and that a lot of the stuff that they want to do and their plans have been put on hold. But I think that there's ways that you can dream bigger in like other ways. And if you look at it from like different perspectives, I think that there are definitely ways to dream bigger. But I think it's all about, you know, how, what your mindset looks like going into it and how are you talking to yourself and how are you thinking about, you know, these goals long term and how are they going to fit into your life and are they actually right for you? But I think it's always good to dream bigger, to have those bigger goals, because especially if you hit some of those goals, you know, you want to be able to dream bigger because you don't want to just hit the glass ceiling and feel like that's your limit. I think it's always good to dream bigger and just have dreams in general. Number 16, sign up for that thing that you've been putting off slash afraid of. In 2020, I was putting off signing up for a marathon, even though I was running marathon, um, my like the mileage of like marathon training plans on my own. I was just randomly running those amounts because I was heartbroken and I was sad. And but if I was running, then I didn't have to feel the feelings. And but I was still sort of putting off signing off signing up for a marathon because I was so afraid that I wasn't going to do well, that I wasn't going to be quote unquote good enough to be a runner. And something that I've learned in this running journey is that if you run, you're a runner and you don't have to hit like seven minute miles and you don't have to PR every time you race. I think it's all about mindset and looking at longevity of how long you want to run and be a runner because that roadmap is not, you know, always linear and it's going to have curves and dips along the way. But I think it's, it, you know, it starts with signing up for that first thing and challenging yourself. And I've just found that ever since I signed up for my first marathon, that having that thing to look forward to and having that thing that you're training for is so nice to have like outside of work or school, just to have like a thing of your own that you're challenging yourself physically and, you know, whatever it is that you want to sign up for. It's a different way to challenge yourself. And I think that you'll be shocked at how much you grow and how actually capable you are. And again, goes back to the other point of how you talk to yourself. And, you know, if you tell yourself that that thing is impossible, then yeah, it's impossible. But I would challenge yourself to sign up for the thing that you've been putting off if it's safe and if you can. Number 17, and I need to take a big breath because I feel like I've been talking for such a long time. It's okay to take a chance on something you're afraid of because it's worse not to and to always think of the what ifs and this is something that I've always been grateful for because I've never really had like the struggle of what ifs and well I did at one point and then I went and did the thing and I went and told someone how I felt but and it you know even though it all went downhill and even though it didn't work out that is something that I look back on that I don't even actually look back on very much anymore but I don't look back on it very much because I did the thing. I did the scary thing and I'm not going to be sitting here for the rest of my life thinking what if because I know and I know, you know, the outcome and I now know what happened because I've done it. And while it was heartbreaking at the time and hard to sort of move forward after that. It's something that I now look at in like a much healthier situation and relationship and think, well, yeah, I'm still grateful that I did that thing because I would never want to sit here and think, what if? And similar to Jack, I think I would have always thought, what if, had I sort of really pushed him away and not gone for 
dating him or being in a relationship. I think that I would have always thought what if because there was something different about him and he did challenge me in different ways and but he was very he was very much there for me and he took it slow with me and he is such a good communicator which is so good for someone like me who's an anxious attachment but I think it's just I think it's better to take a chance on those things and just to go for it because I think it's so much worse to sit with the what ifs than to go for it and fail. I think it's better to fail because at least you learn from failure versus, you know, with what ifs, that's just an endless thing that you can just get lost in thinking of. Number 18, I said this before and I'll always say it, surround yourself with people who want the best for you because people who truly care for you, who truly care for your well-being and truly care for your mental health and all those little things are the best people to surround yourself with because people that you feel like you have to fake it for, that you have to put on a different persona for, I've been in those situations and they are the worst situations because I look back on that as like, you know, times where I was not myself and I was trying to put on a different persona for people that I actually didn't even really like because I wanted to just fit in for some reason. And there's a reason why you don't fit in with everyone. There's a reason why not everyone likes you because the people that are for you are for you. And it's better to surround yourself with people who want the best for you because those that don't, those that you have to put on a different act for that don't accept you for who you are, are not the right people to surround yourself with. And when you surround yourself with people who want the best for you, they are going to be better for you. They're going to challenge you in ways that you maybe never would have. They're going to love you. They're going to be there for you. And I can just say from experience that it's been so much better being where I am now versus where I was two years ago. Number point number 19, put yourself out there, whether it is content creation, projects at work, whatever it is, school. I think it's so important to put yourself out there because I think this is this can kind of tie into my my last point around what ifs because I've always been someone who I grew up kind of watching YouTube and like vloggers and stuff. And I always, I'm being super honest here and this may be so weird and such a weird like vulnerable thing, but I've like low-key always wanted to be a YouTube vlogger. And I grew up and I made videos with my best friend Sinclair. And if she's listening, I'm so sorry that I'm saying this, but we had a YouTube channel when we were like in our early teens and I would play the guitar and she would sing and we were just really into the YouTube thing. And I think that that was like also the prime time where like everyone joined YouTube and like, I think genuinely she and I talk about it all the time, but had we kept up consistently with that channel, I think that we would have actually like made I don't know a decent channel and like had you know decent growth but I think for me I always let fear stand in the way and that's something that I've really noticed that Jack's been able to bring out in me which I love is just that like I think that he sees and he knows that I love doing the stupid TikToks and I loved I say stupid but I actually love it so much And like, I think that it all started with this podcast. And I think that this felt like a very safe way to put myself out there because it really is just me talking into a microphone and not in front of a camera. And I think that as I built confidence over time with the podcast, and then I started talking to the camera on my Instagram stories for the podcast and, you know, now building into this TikTok account that, you know, I feel like I'm genuinely making a difference and like, 
getting to connect with different runners all over the world no matter where they are at their running journey and just being able to like inspire people and motivate people to start their running journey and start small even if it's a 5k like I've gotten comments where people have literally been like you know I did this thing that you said or that you talked about in your video and it did this for me or I PR'd and it just like warms my heart and like getting DMs as well on like TikTok and Instagram of people who like actually take the time to you know, message me and just say like, you know, I love, I love your podcast, love your content. And I think that like that stuff is just, it can seem so minuscule. And even though it's like not this like massive account, I'm so grateful for this little like community that I'm building for resiliency and running. And it started out as like such a small idea when I was in quarantine in 2020. And I'm just like, so grateful for like how much it's grown and, you know, the possibilities that are endless that, you know, will probably happen next year. But I think that it would have never, this would have never happened had I not put myself out there on that first podcast episode. So if you've been listening to the podcast since the the very beginning, I am very grateful for you because I started this podcast with not even a microphone. I started it with like my headphone set, my Apple headphone set, and I just spoke into that mic. And I don't think the sound quality was that bad, but I think that this has also just been like such an aid in just like getting myself out there feeling you know like I can share my stories and like put my voice out there for women and you know men and people that have gone through similar experiences to me it's been so it's been so heartwarming that you know I'm able to share those experiences still and like still be able to be a voice for others and so yeah I just wanted to put my little two cents in there (laughs) that this is like my very favorite way to express myself creatively. Point number 20, you don't need alcohol to have fun. Shocker, I know. And these last two points kind of just have to do with alcohol because I think this is just like a learning journey that I've been on with alcohol ever since I cut it out. Anyone that knew me like prior to spring of 2020, like you would have known me as a very heavy drinker, a very you know, I'd go out and I'd have multiple drinks, like five to 10 drinks a night when, and that's just like me being out and you're not even talking like pre-drinks. And I used to be someone who used to put all of my emotions into alcohol or at least I guess mask them with alcohol. And I used to think that that was a way that I could get people to like me, that I could get boys to like me. And I've just learned over time how much I actually hate alcohol and how much I hate hangovers and the fogginess and all the stuff that comes with drinking. And I'm so glad that like, you know, I took that six month break in 2020 because I'm just now in a very like, you know, easy and like slow state of drinking where I'm kind of, you know, I'll go like weeks on end without drinking and then I'll have one drink. And I guess the moderation train for me has just been really, really lovely. And this is going into point 21, the last point that moderation is great. Sobriety is even better because when you're really, you know, looking at your health from that point of view, it is so, I don't know, helpful. And I feel like when you look at like research and studies of like people who drink versus people who don't, there are so many effects on the brain, obviously on the liver and just your overall health. And the fact that like when you drink alcohol, you're literally putting poison into your body. And I think I'm so grateful for meeting the community that I did last year and like a massive shout out to 
Kate Gleason, who put me in touch with the community at RPG, the Retired Party Girl. If you don't know Tori, you should go and follow her. Whether you are sober, sober curious, she is great. Also, Steph still is someone that I've had on this podcast multiple times, but she is so inspiring because she's so raw and vulnerable with her journey. And it's for her, it's not just the alcohol, it's being realistic and honest about her eating disorder and her discomfort with, you know, her relationship with food not being healthy and like that sort of thing. And it's something that I know that I would have appreciated so much to be able to follow an account like that when I was going through my eating disorder and drinking in college. Like no one was talking about how much it's bad for you to be drinking as much as we were in college. And so just a big shout out and kind of like an end, I guess, because I definitely feel like I'm in such a good and healthy state with alcohol and food and all things. And so I feel like I'm just very grateful to be ending the year where I am with the people that I'm surrounded with. And yeah, thank you for listening to the podcast for another year. And I'm very much looking forward to catching you guys in the next year. All right, everyone, that's going to wrap up another episode of the Resiliency and Running podcast and the last one of 2021. Thank you so much for listening. And please do check out the links in the show notes to my fundraiser, as well as to the different ways to get connected with the podcast. But I will see you in the next year. Bye.